Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. The status quo in America is causing many citizens to slip through the cracks and oftentimes be left out in the cold. Today on the Spent the Rent podcast, we are joined by a man from Multnomah County working to bring economic justice for all Oregonians. Coming up next, candidate in Oregon's 3rd Congressional District, Albert Lee. Welcome to the Spent the Rent podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is a candidate in Oregon's 3rd Congressional District, Albert Lee. Albert, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Thank you, Patty. This is really cool. Uh, This is a little bit different. We usually try to keep most of our guests to to the Lane County area, but your story is very similar to the candidate running in our district. And we also want to announce a partnership. We're going to be airing these episodes on another page, on a Facebook page, the Facebook venue called The Ish. And those will be Sundays at 3 p.m. on The Ish. And I'll post about it on social media. And that is actually kind of a primarily a Portland-based audience as of right now. So this will reach some of your constituents, and that's really good. So Albert, let's just get to who you are, uh, what you're about. You're running in uh, Oregon's 3rd Congressional District, which is Multnomah County. Uh, It's east of the Willamette in Portland, and then Gresham and Troutdale. Is that correct? Yeah, Estacada, Malala, uh, a lot of places that are often forgotten as well. Right. And so you are a progressive Democrat running in the primary against, uh, how long has he been an incumbent? 24 years. 24 years. So very similar. In my district, which is in Lane County, Peter DeFazio has been a 16-term incumbent, which is out of control. And so though these candidates uh, are not you know, bad. I mean, they've got very similar views. It's time for fresh, fresh blood, you know? So... So uh, let's talk about your platform. So would you call yourself a democratic socialist? I am a democratic socialist, yes. Okay, pr- proud, proud, uh, you know, proud of that, that term and, and not shooken by some of the stigma. No, no, yeah. not at all. No, me neither. Uh, I-, I think that uh, one of the things that differentiates uh, citizen representatives from these career politicians is that we really say who we are and what we do and what we're about. Absolutely. And I'm right there with you. I'm sure that this is our first time meeting, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with my show, but we have a lot of, of Bernie representation. And I say that, and we're going to talk about Bernie in a little bit, but it's not. I watched your interview on Oregon News and Views with Alan Zundel, and you made a comment that was great. It's, it was never about Bernie. It was about all of us. And we'll get to that later in the show. But I'm right there with you as far as I see no stigma. I think that there's a big difference between socialism and democratic socialism. We've covered that ad nauseum on this show. Progressive is a better... Uh, universal term that I think that 
a lot of Democrats in the middle kind of steal that term. Like, you know, Joe Biden is an example. Yeah. Uh, they call themselves progressives and I'm like, progress towards <sighs> what? You, you know, the, the term has lost meaning. Um, I, I think that uh, language just changes on a regular basis. You know, you could look just mere five years ago, liberal was a bad word, then it became a good word. And now it's a bad word on the left. Right. Uh, progressive is, is shifting in that same direction. And it's the difficult thing, you know, Doyle Canning and I talked about how sometimes when you run as a Democrat, you have to run against two parties. <laughs> you know, you run against the Republicans, obviously, but you're also running against your own party because they're, like well, you said. two sides of the same corporate party, actually, is what I, yeah. would, what I would say. I completely agree. And it's obvious when you see when Bernie's out of the campaign and then you see like the uh, insurance industry's stock portfolio skyrocket and it shows that, you know. Mission accomplished. Exactly. So uh, on your website, uh, which I'm going to have in the show notes, a link to your website, uh, it has your basic platform. And I'd like you to tell us more in depth about that. But one of the big things that you focus on is homelessness. So addressing the issue of homelessness, which I know in Lane County is a big issue. And I'm aware that Portland, it's almost even tenfold. Mm -hmm. So let's start with that. Why is home? You know, go ahead. You can address. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. But, uh, you know, you, you, I think you started off this show very well in stating that the incumbents that we have both uh, in the third district and in uh, the fourth district are, uh, you know, decent, democratic, typically vote the right way uh, politicians, representatives, if you will. Um, but the difference is uh, we don't need just folks that are going to vote the right way on the federal level but we need to have folks that are going to address the issues that are here at home in our districts uh, around the country and across across the country and around the world as well. One of those big issues uh, that I feel has been left to fester and grow is our houselessness crisis. Uh, When I first moved here uh, to the area in 2005, it was critical then. Today, it is super critical. Um, And I think that it has been an absence of leadership from the local level all the way up to the federal government. And the houselessness crisis is very complex. It's something that kind of touches a lot of different things. Um, The solution, I believe, uh, to the houselessness crisis, and by the way, I spent time homeless myself. I know that uh, Doyle has herself as well. We we have very similar uh, stories when it comes to that uh, and domestic violence. But uh, going back to the houselessness crisis, we need to take and have a housing first policy and program. And I know that our, our incumbent has co-opted that idea now recently, um, but uh, hasn't discussed anything like it in the 24 years that he's been in office until we got into the, uh, into the race and started bringing these things to light. But a housing first uh, program that emulates and, and, and reinforces the notion that housing is a human right. If we believe in, and, and, and believe that housing is a human right, then we should not have tents in the streets. We should not have people living rough on the streets. Uh, in order to secure that, we need to have a housing first program. Now, these programs have been initiated in places like Salt Lake City, uh, New Orleans, and of course in Scandinavia, the, sure. which is typically the, the models that we look at. Um, there, you know, it, it demonstrates that you provide the housing, that basic uh, support to people. And then they can start taking care of all the other negative externalities that are in their lives, uh, be it drug dependency, mental health issues, and the like. Now, you make that Housing First program with a single-payer universal Medicare for All system that includes uh, drug dependency treatment, that includes mental health uh, 
uh, treatment, you're going to meet it. You're going to eliminate um, the houselessness uh, crisis that we have. Now, on top of that, you have to add on a living wage. You know, we've had uh, the lack of living wages for over 40 years. Our minimum wages remain flat for over 40 years. And while that has remained fat, flat, the cost of everything else has gone through the roof, creating such a, a struggle for us all. I mean, you know, the, the lack of affordable housing, lack of living wages, the combination of those two things uh, make for a struggling class, a great struggling class. And it only takes one accident, one car accident, one medical bill, one eviction, and you can find yourself homeless, houseless. Right. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, when you look at our platform, when you look at everything that's on there, it is all put together in, in such a way that, uh, you have to address all those things at the same time in order to really get to the cures. Right. So you spoke on, on your website as well about economic justice and you had mentioned an affordable wage. Is that what you mean by economic justice? Yes. I mean, so as a democratic socialist, one of the things that I truly believe is that if we really want to have true um, democracy, we need not only political democracy, but we need economic democracy. And what I mean by that is that currently in our capitalist regime, in our capitalist system, uh, it has been a system that that takes the profits or, or the inputs of workers and shifts those and concentrates that profit to those at the very top. Um, if we had actually had workers that were on some of the boards of some of these corporations, I think that you would see a difference. So for instance, um, we have in say McDonald's, if we had actual frontline workers on the board of directors for McDonald's, I don't think that we would have a CEO that makes more in a day than the average worker makes in a year. Well, it's much you know? like how city council, a lot of the volunteer positions, volunteerism in politics, you get people that have day jobs, <laughs> you know, that are running these positions. And so then the way that local government is ran is much different. And also with local government, you have to balance your budget. <laughs> like you legally have to balance your budget or, you know, you can't go over. So, so unlike the federal. Uh, another thing on your website that you had mentioned, uh, two parts, is that you uh, aimed to protect the people and to protect the democracy. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, so uh, I think one of the functions of our federal government is to provide uh, for the well-being of the entire country. Um, now, um, you know, for our folks on the right, uh, that means some kind of uh, military protectionism, uh, military foreign policy and everything. Uh, but then you start forgetting about infrastructure. You forget about the social safety nets. Uh, you forget about, uh, you know, having things that are necessary, like in this crisis that we're facing right now with COVID-19. Um, you know, we, we need uh, economic, uh, emergency economic supports right now for the people. Uh, what we've had instead is we've spent trillions of dollars to shore up Wall Street. I mean, when the crisis first hit, immediately two, three trillion dollars was pumped into Wall Street without discussion, without deliberation. Yeah. And then when it was time to talk about what are we going to do for the people? Oh, then it was it was uh, we had to discuss this. We had to deliberate. And in the end, ultimately, some people may see twelve hundred dollars at some point in May. Right. Um, and then on top of it, you get the $1,200 stimulus while simultaneously there's like a theft by major businesses that are just getting these massive loans and then, you know, debt free on a lot of it. They're not well, even that's the thing. I mean, even grand. when they were making that $1,200 deal for, for some of the people, uh, they slipped in another half trillion dollars, right. no strings attached for corporations. Um, and then 
you know, you look at things like PPP, which was supposed to be geared toward mom and pops and, and small businesses, but the ones that have uh, uh, already taken all of the funds have been big corporations like Ruth's Chris, uh, right. who, even took the, and- yeah, who even took advantage of the point that they were able to divide their company into two subsidiaries to double the amount that they secured. Um, you know, it, it seems like we're always willing, ready, and able to provide socialism for those at the very top and right. brutal, brutal capitalism for those at the bottom. Uh, that, uh, that, yes. that has to change. Um, we need a government that's going to work for all of us, not just those at the very top. Right. Now, in protecting democracy, one thing that I've noticed by uh, doing a little bit of research about you that you talk about a lot is gerrymandering uh, in different districts. And can you explain for somebody that a lot of my audience isn't political act- politically active, which is a good thing because this is what we try to do is bring it to the average person. What is gerrymandering? How does that work? Yeah. So um, let's, let's just look at the map of the United States, right? Um, when you're on the East Coast, you see all of the states sort of have really squiggly boundaries and whatnot. And the further west you go, states start becoming more square, right? Sure. Okay. Um, I use that as a, as a, as a model. Um, what happens in gerrymandering is that uh, this, the people who decide to carve up uh, the various districts, they decide to carve up the districts to their political advantage. And so we start getting really squiggly lines, nothing that makes rhyme or reason. Um, a lot of people don't even know what district they belong in uh, right. because of the gerrymandering. Um, there is a very simple way of fixing that, and that is to get political decision makers out of the business of redistricting and making it all automated. So uh, I invite people to take a look. Just uh, Google shortest straight line method or shortest straight line algorithm. And what that system does is it's all math. Uh, it takes... Uh, whatever uh, group, say you want to divide the state of Oregon into five or six or maybe seven representative uh, districts. What it does uh, is it takes a mathematical compilation where it first divides the state up equally into two uh, uh, districts that have the same population. And in order to make that, you take whatever the shortest straight line is sure. uh, that bisects and makes an equal, uh, equally uh equal populations on each side. And you keep doing that until you get to the number of districts that you need. Uh, there's a great uh, explanation of it on YouTube, um, but really that takes all of the political calculation out of it uh, and it would make for more fair uh, districting um, and it would make for more competitive seats. Now on top of the gerrymandering, we've got the money in politics. Money in politics is the root of all the issues that we face. 100%. The houseless crisis, houseless crisis to the endless wars, to uh, the obscene wealth gap, uh, all of these things, to the climate emergency, all of these things are because somebody's making money, somebody's bribing a politician to do their bidding as opposed to the will of people. 100%. So another thing about protecting democracy is mail-in voting. Now in Oregon, you know, we have that, and I think it's amazing. I think Mm -hmm. it's a great way to do things. And, I mean, it's a pretty scary push right now with with – you look at what's happening with the post office and we'll see. I mean, that, that's obvious. It's so Trump is so predictable, you know, and the way that he's saying, he's like, we need to go against this. It's because they want less people to vote and you can't protect a democracy by having less people voting. Well, so, so 
So I want to address two things on that. Number one, uh, with the with the post office, the post office is written in the Constitution. That's not going away anywhere. Sure. Uh, at, at this point, um, I think that um, it is just ludicrous that uh, Trump would even bring up something like that. We do uh, need to figure out a way to um, fund the post office because currently it is only funded by the stamps that they sell. Uh, they do not get any kind of uh, income from from the federal government. Um, I think that not only do we need to do that, but we need to expand the services of the post office. There was a point in time when uh, this post office offered uh, basic banking. Banking, uh, yes, yeah. And 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 I think that that's something that's vitally important, especially for folks that uh, cannot secure uh, uh, access to uh, banking, be it in rural areas or uh, the marginalized in, in, in our urban areas. I think that it is important that we fortify and, and, and support our, our postal system. Now, when it comes to vote by mail, I think that, you're right. You know, uh, Oregon was the first in the country to do this system. We have Republicans and folks on the right who also agree with us that this is a solid system. Um, now we're going to get a lot of pushback and I know that there's a rise of interest because of COVID-19, but you're gonna get a lot of pushback from places like in the deep South, um, where there has been a tradition of, of voter suppression and a tradition of voter disenfranchisement. Um, uh, because you're looking at areas that have been majority minority states for right. quite a long time, but exactly. still maintain white power uh, because of uh, that twofold thing of trying to uh, uh, remove people from polls uh, and trying to to, uh, uh, to take away their rights to vote, uh, uh, especially within the black community. Um, you know, we've had uh, Republicans and those on the right in the deep South who have been pretty blatant about it and said, you know, vote by mail will will mean that we're going to lose seats, that we're going right. to lose our, our power. And that's quite right. I mean, we live in a democracy where it should be majority rule, right? I completely uh, where, agree. And, and unfortunately, uh, <laughs> with the shenanigans that have gone on, we, ha we have right now, um, with the voter disenfranchisement in the state of Georgia, we've got a state that's about to open up uh, well prematurely uh, uh, with this COVID crisis going on. And you can tie that back to uh, voter disenfranchisement and voter suppression um, in the state of Georgia. There's, that uh, person should not be the governor of the no. state right now. No. And then, you know, when the president is backpedaling and saying that Georgia's opening up too soon, that's a pretty bad sign for Georgia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and none of us, one thing about being progressive that I believe in my heart of hearts is that we want what's best for everyone. It's not like we want this group to do well or this group to do well. We want what's best for everyone. And so I don't want to see Georgia be this test sample and get out there and get sick and so that we can say, I told you so. I don't right. want that at all. I don't want that at all. You know, I want what's best for everyone. And I know that's not what's best. And so that's, you know, I, I think that, that that is a key point. Um, we live in a, in a time where uh, it, it seems like we are pointing, um, um, you know, anger and ire at each other. And, we got to realize that we're all Americans and that 100%. we are all, uh, uh, we need to cooperate and build a, a better uh, future for us and our, and our, and our, and our children. Um, and we need to uh, see what, what things unite us as opposed to those things that divide us. Um, I think that, that that is something that, that we need to look at and try to um, bring some healing to our country as well. I think that brings me to my next question. I wanted to ask you about campaigning remotely, but mm. I want to ask you specifically, how do you go about campaigning remotely to people across the aisle? So people that might be more conservative leaning and maybe don't have the same, because our the algorithm of what we follow on social media kind of you know caters to our liking. 
how do you reach out to people? Because I know that when you get a chance to fee, to go door to door and, and talk face to face, they probably, you're charming. They probably really like <laughs> you, you know, no, you know, thank you. so what happens when you can't reach out to them, you know, personally on a personal level and sit down and, and say, well, you know, well, Todd, this is, <laughs> this is what I'm going to do for you. You know, I mean, how yeah. do you do that? How do you, how do you do go about that? No, I appreciate that question. So uh, one of the things you're right, uh, when we were able to go out and knock on doors, uh, we, we knocked on every door. Um, for one reason, we couldn't afford uh, the, the DPO's uh, exorbitant fees for, for their van access, for the access to specifically Democratic voters. But the other thing is because we live in a heavily Democratic district, I think it's like almost 80% Democrats. Uh, so we knocked on every door and we would get the occasional independent and we would get the occasional Republican. And the interesting thing is we were able to sway them. Um, and we were able to uh, get their support, uh, because we weren't talking about, uh, left, right issues. We were talking no. about up, down issues. Right. Okay? Uh, and I think that that resonates with so many people. Now you're right. Uh, it's hard to reach, um, uh, virtually, uh, folks on the right folks that don't agree with us. Uh, it is very hard. But uh, one of the things that's interesting about our state, and you know this very well, is that we are a closed primary state. Uh, we have reached out to um, independents and Republicans. We have uh, strongly suggested that they re-register uh, and change party affiliation to being a Democrat, at least for the primary. And you can do that up until April 28th, by the way. Um, which is coming up real quick. Yeah, a couple days. Yeah, today's the day to register to vote if you haven't or to change your party, like you said. Yeah, and, and, and so here's the thing. In a closed primary state, um, you, you can only vote for the party that you're affiliated with. And here in our district, uh, I don't know about your district, but we're D plus 24. That means on the Cook Partisan Index, we, we are heavily Democratic. It means that the decision on who's going to represent the people of the third district is actually going to be made in May. It is not going to be made in November because sure. whoever the D is, whoever the Democrat is after the primary will move on to win in the general election. I, I don't think that's true in my district. I have to be honest. I think that there's a really, really big growing conservative movement and, you know, Trump has been effective in Lane County. It's kind of interesting. And, yep. uh, not that it's a bad thing. I mean, they're, they're, when you, I don't believe that the don't party affiliation. Yeah, I think, no, exactly. I think you need competition. Yes. And I think that uh, what we sorely are lacking is competition because, for the most part, except uh, given the exception of the of the Ford district, with the most part, a lot of the districts around the country are safe seats. Yeah. Third district here is a safe seat. The second district here is a safe seat. It's one is safe for red, one is safe for blue. And that means that the representatives get they to, get lazy. Yeah, they, to, they don't have to and, get capable of the people. They don't have to uh, really listen. You had uh, referenced that earlier about how challenging an incumbent. You know, you push their platform. You push it more to where you want it to be, and that's a success of a. You know, even if you don't win the 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 election, that is the success of a campaign as challenging an incumbent. Right. You know, and that's something that needs to be done. I don't want to think about the what ifs if you don't win. Because well, if, you do? if you, you're you're right in in that sense, because quite frankly, uh, we have moved uh, the incumbent to the left, drastically to the left. Um, you know, we have gotten the incumbent to dance our dance, um, to sing our song. Uh, you know, in October was the first time that the incumbent wrote a paper on houselessness, on homelessness. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, it was the first time that, uh, you know, he started even thinking about um, housing first. 
in the 24 years that he's been in office. Uh, you know, we, we are pushing, uh, he, he has stopped accepting fossil fuel funds as of this fall, uh, again, um, because he's trying to uh, provide that image of being a progressive, being um, for, for, for um, the Green New Deal, for uh, protecting our planet. Uh, so we're calling him out on some of the lip service progressivism. We're calling him out on some of uh, the hypocrisy and the contradictions that we see. That's awesome. So we mentioned Bernie earlier, and I want to talk to you and hear, get your take on it. A lot of the Bernie supporters have just lost hope, you know, and you see them kind of infighting among the party and whatnot. And they, I just hope that the Bernie supporters find a way to turn out to vote. What is it that you would tell a Bernie supporter that basically has found that they've lost hope? Look, um, Bernie um, was the one that inspired me uh, to get more civically and politically active back in 2015. It was the first uh, candidate that I ever gave money to, knocked on doors for, or made phone calls for. Uh, he activated me, he activated my wife, he activated millions of us around the country, and he activated another millions of us uh, in this second cycle. Now, he has ignited a movement. Uh, that movement has brought forth folks like the squad in the last cycle to Congress. It has risen, uh, raised uh, hundreds of different progressive candidates around the country who are vying not only in uh, uh, trying to flip red states uh, and districts uh, blue, but also to make blue districts bluer. Uh, so he has, he has created a movement, and that movement moves forward with or without him. Now, yeah. it is sad, and uh, you know I don't think that he lost fair and square. I think that there was a combination of the mainstream media and uh, the establishment working in, 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 in tandem to ensure his defeat and demise because – what he was preaching and what he was talking about uh, uh, challenges their way of being, their way of life, their their graft. And uh, to what, what I say to those Bernie supporters is, listen to what Bernie said, not me, us. Us. I've got that sticker right on my speaker right here. Not yeah. Me, yeah. And so that means take a look at now it's going to be Senator Sanders unless something really drastic happens in the next couple of months, uh, it will be Senator Sanders. And Senator Sanders is going to need some more allies in Congress. He's going yeah. to need more allies in local government and in, in state governments. So support uh, down-ballot uh, candidates as much and as fervently as you would support Bernie um, so that we can continue the movement. Because, and in the primary, we can still go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, because I was going to say, because uh, the movement does not die with one person. Right. Uh, the movement mo movement lives on and it should move on because we are fighting against um, uh, uh, an existential threat in our climate concern. We are fighting against um, the greed uh, of the 1% uh, and we are fighting for survival. So yeah. uh, these are real things. And, uh, and I know that a lot of us feel the impacts of it. So in the primary, you can still cast your vote in Oregon for Bernie Sanders. And it's important that people that supported him do, because then at the at the convention, that pushes the agenda a little bit that direction, because there's more yeah. delegates and representation and that kind of stuff. If we if we actually have a convention with the Democratic Party, you know, I, I would be remiss um, or I would be uh, lying if I didn't say I'm losing faith within uh, the Democratic Party as a whole. Uh, sure. You know, we 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 witnessed. Um, the shenanigans of the last cycle, we witness uh, the coordination of this cycle. Um, it is like, uh, we want you, we want your vote, but we don't want your voice. Sure. Yeah. Um, Especially and, with minorities. You know, yes. you know, I mean, it's what has been done over the last 30 years. 
Well, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's the old adage, right? You come around, you knock on my door every four years when you want my vote, but then right. you forget about me. Um, so uh, we need to do what we can to break up this two-party duopoly. Uh, we need to see what we can do about uh, uh, bringing in things like ranked choice voting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's a nice um, um, piece, HR 4000, that is looking at just that, uh, Fair Representation Act, uh, that looks at doing uh, ranked choice voting, that looks at maybe multi, uh, multi-member multi districts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that's a good step in the right direction to help uh, us break up this, this two-party duopoly. In Eugene, we have star voting on the ballot. So I live in Springfield, Oregon, so that's not – it's only for the city of Eugene, and they're mm-hmm. going to do it for mayor and city council, and that's on the ballot. And so right, if you're right, – right, Here's the thing. I think star voting is even better. Oh, yeah. Voting. But um, sadly to say, uh, you know, we start confusing and muddying the waters when we start talking about the different options. And then you can look in history uh, at a variety of different things where the better option doesn't necessarily go forward. I'm thinking VHS versus Betamax. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, DAT tapes versus CDs. Sure. Uh, you know, DATs were higher quality, but CDs prevailed. Um, I, you know, I, I, I say that I am a proponent for ranked choice voting. I'm a proponent for star voting as yeah. well. In the verbiage, the verbiage of ranked choice is more, it gets the point across better. It's like universal healthcare versus Medicare for all. I think universal healthcare sounds so much better. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So it's, you know, we're quibbling when we, when we try to get to the distinctions. And I know that for folks that are really in the know, star voting is the way to go. 100%. But when we talk about what we've already had accomplished, like in Maine uh, with ranked choice voting, um, let's start there. Um, but by all means, I'm saying, look, in Eugene, please vote for Pass it. Yeah, I think it will. Please. I think they've done their job. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the thing that they ran into, I've had them on quite a bit. Mark Fronmeyer and Sarah Wolf and I have a pretty good partnership with this podcast. And I know Sarah, she's great. Yeah. And she had basically told me that the way that it was worded on the ballot is you know, score then automatic runoff. They didn't put star voting anywhere on it. And all of the the streets or the lawn signs said star voting. So you have to, I mean, you have to make that one. You have have to educate the people, but it's difficult because you're getting people that don't want to be constantly inundated by political news. I mean, for people like me and you, we're, we're, passionate about this that we follow it nonstop. I mean, you're actually running for office, you know? (laughs) know? So, so, uh, yeah. So, you know, I think that there is still hope, but I'm with you on the party. I mean, I think that right now there's really not much we can be can be done in 2020 as far as November. We we just well, have to get Trump it out of over office. Till it's over. I, I'll tell you that. That's I mean, very true. Very very weak candidate in Biden that we have with yeah. very serious allegations that they're trying to brush under the rug. Um, and you know, um, if you know hypothetically uh, he has to step down or is incapacitated in some way, I would be very curious as to how the party moves forward in me. Oh, they would just put Cuomo, <laughs> you know, they would just, but yeah, I think it should be Bernie. I mean, I think Bernie has the delegates, but. Well, I'm voting I, Bernie in the primary. I'll tell you that too. right now. And me I think too. That, uh, we need to uh, do what we can to uh, make sure that he has an even bigger win in 2020 than he did in 2016 in the state of Oregon. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I know that uh, in our district, we voted overwhelmingly for it. I think he won every county except for one. And he lost that one county by one vote. Yet our incumbent uh, used his superdelegate vote to counterman the will of the people and voted for Hillary in 2016. Yeah. Um, 
you know, these are the kind of things where exactly what I'm talking about. We need to have, instead of entitled elites, career politicians, we need people that are going to be responsive and listening to the people and are of the people and then understand uh, what we're about. And you find that a lot more on the local level. And I think people are so fixated on national politics. I think we need to kind of rein it back in and, and think about more about our states and our local you know, city council and that kind of stuff is really important. And I think that that's when, when you go into Congress and you go to Washington, that's what you're bringing with you though, you know, for somebody like yourself. And so, you know, president, I think people put so much emphasis on that. We need to think about what's important in our local government because we can get so much more done. It's going to be interesting because with COVID, the funding for local governments is going to be just dismantled. So we'll see. But Albert, so where is, it's right next to you, albertlee2020.com. That's where everybody can go to check out more information on you. And then this, the Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter and all that good stuff. It's really cool to talk to you. Uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get you back on at some point and we'll see how this all goes because I'd like to hear what you have to say right before November. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate it. This is really cool. You know, keep doing what you're doing. I'm all about it. I saw one th side note. I watched some of your clips, some of your media clips and you were on the Young Turks and the Young Turks yep. is something that I really enjoy watching. Sometimes it's a little snarky, but it's cool that there's a representation of more progressive values. And so I definitely like how they kind of, I wouldn't say infighting, but they don't all have the same. They don't all fall in line. They all have their own viewpoints and that's kind of neat. But yeah, you did the damage report and that was really cool. Your interview was really good. I noticed that your, your pace was so much faster because you had five minutes. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, whoa. So Yeah, you know, it, it really depends on the format. I mean, we had, a, we had like 11 minutes when we were on the conversation for the Young Turks. So we got to slow down a little bit there. Yeah. Um, and then some of the longer format uh, conversations that we've had, we were able to get into it a little bit more. So it, it all depends on, on, on the format. Sure. Your interview on Oregon News and Views with Alan Zundel was really good too. That was a good one on, on uh, YouTube. You can look that up, Oregon News and Views. Albert Lee, this is really cool. It's great to meet you. It's an honor to have you on my show. Uh, this is going to be, like I said, this will be posted on my website, Facebook, and then also on uh, Sunday, we're going to be la launching this three o'clock Sundays on The Ish. So the new music venue is going to be showing my podcast each week, and that's pretty exciting. Thanks a lot. I'm going to end this with a song by a local crew. Uh, this is going to be Northwest Letterman by Immune. Albert Lee, thanks a lot. Thank you. We're in the middle of the night, like admiring eyesight, acting like some nice guys looking for a knife fight, thinking that I'm lifelike, looking for a life might kill it till I might die, so stretching it just fine. Find right. a night race, find a web tight, leave you hide like a life flight, find a line and die by the pipe strike. Nights, nights, now you like mine with the white stripe, twice iller than the sink type, and feeling quite right. Chilling up to get my mind nice before I rise, stage the whole battle goes right in for grime time. If the shoes don't fit, then I throw them at the street light, sort of like a Welcome on my memory and pride Cleverly decide, we're ready to ride Live or die, him and I reside In this genocide, killing time Scribbling these rhymes, you feel in your mind Penicillin, with no drilling drive, but that metal shine Been metalin', peddling music my whole life Extra credit, Northwest Letterman Gone grime, I keep heavy petting But they couldn't keep the beat right And be knocking you out before you even left your seat guy. Keep fly, everything we speak Kind of peach pie, teach by example Freestyles, keep your seeds wild Heat dial, third degree, flame burning Child. Meanwhile, Woody Street sides like for Cena. Be catching all the jockers with the swinging from the beam now. You're thinking that I'm dope, but then I'll be hitting you with the freestyle. Keep biting my style, I'm gonna rip apart your gum lines and be close on my ears every time I hear your dumb rhymes. Sometimes I be in the mood to move my tongue dies. Fighting over me, you see the real make the sunshine. Young, fine rapper in my 
be keeping it here, they're gonna be rising up with the sunlight. MCs be thinking the dope, but they'll not be the guy leaving a dung hide. I see a lot of fire when I was looking inside your young eyes. If I made the same mistake twice, it's only cause my stuck guy. Why are we the best to do this delivery? Skill tested energy, unsigned, you kidding me? Northwest to infamy, MC divinity. Now buy a t shirt and rock the eye till infinity. We're so clean that a music about the filter of the purity. Wait for the delivery, taking out sincerity. Break up on the seven chain and thank me for the memory. Waiting for the beat to play, it never seemed to be this way. Seven chain, you don't like the beat, take the heat away, okay? We don't even play nice, we just leave them lame. Free to slay, horns in the 